verse 65, we're in the teeth portion. You notice that there are different uh, um, letters that are going to sign, sound similarly, and you wonder why they, they have repeating letters. They're not necessarily repeating, they'll sound slightly different in Hebrew itself, and some are going to be a harder letter, some are going to be a softer letter. For example, taste has a t- sound, and so does tau. But uh, in he- written Hebrew, when we look at all the vowel points and everything, there'll be not vowel points, but different diacritical markings. Uh, they'll be pronounced a little different from one another that perhaps my Brazilian English accent may not do, uh, uh, you know, complete, that, that might not honor them completely. So Psalm 119, verse 65, this is the word of our Lord. You have dealt with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray. Father, we do pray that you speak to us through this passage. Bring us closer to you for asking in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a textual comment to begin with. <clears throat> we read, in verse 70, that their heart is as fat as grease. And uh, um, I'm not sure why they chose to um, put it there in that particular way. But, um, well, that's the, that's the literal translation, but it doesn't sound like... We, we think of a heart as fat as grease, we think of what? A sick heart, don't we? Like cholesterol... And so on. And that's not the picture here. The picture is that the unbeliever is happy with their unbelieving state. No. That, the idea of fatness is the, the, the idea of happiness or blessings. But we, we who are believers rejoice in the word of God. <clears throat> Let me ask you this. Do you like school? Who loves school here? Josiah Martin, Josiah uh, Hollander. Well, the, the, the Hutchinsons in the back love school. Uh, Andrew loves school. How about the kids? Josiah, you love school? All right. Ooh, Lizzie now loves school as well. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, Eve is trying to be convinced that she loves school over here as well. well. Some people love it, right? Some people just have a passion for being in school. Others can't wait uh, to, for high school to be over so that they don't have to set their foot in school or even drive by it again, ever again, in their lives. Most of us fall somewhere in between one of those uh, two um, polars. We like school at times and not at other times. Now, all of us, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of where we are in life, will attend school. And we're all going to attend the same school. Doesn't matter what your IQ is. Doesn't matter what your uh, desires in life is. 
It do, and this school doesn't charge tuition. It doesn't consider age. We all are going to attend the school of affliction. Every last one of us will attend the school of affliction. At some point in our lives, we will suffer. Affliction is not fun. We don't go looking for it in our lives. Yet they come to our lives. Some afflictions are of our own doing. We bring them upon ourselves. Some just find us. But all of them, however they come, are designed by God to sanctify us. Every affliction that comes upon us comes from the hand of God, who our pastor says is good and does good. Look at verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And then verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. You see there how affliction is the schoolhouse of God, how affliction is a means that God uses to teach us to obey him, to draw us closer to him, to follow him more faithfully. But the only way to see affliction as an instrument that God uses to perfect us is to know that God is good. To just know absolutely that God is good. Look at verse 68. You are good and do good. God is not good because he does good. God does good because he's good. Do you see the slight difference there? We don't decide that God is good by looking at what he does. We look at everything as having been done by a good God and interpret what happens in that way. Do you believe that God is good? Are you convinced that God is good even if you're going through the most severe affliction in your life? Do you believe that God is good even if your body is breaking down? Do you believe that God is good even if your relationships are being destroyed? Do you believe that God is good even when things are not going how you want them to go at work or school or in relationships? God is good and He does good and He's given us plenty of evidence that He is good. For example... In Romans 8.32, Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see the evidence of the goodness of God there? That God gave us his own son. That's the greatest thing he could do. That's the greatest evidence of his goodness. And having given us the greatest thing, what is it that he's going to keep from us that is good for us. Did you, get, did you get that? That God does not keep from you anything that's good for you. So if there's something that's not going your way, something that you decide that you don't have, or something that you don't want but is present, don't interpret that God is doing that and that's not good for you. If there's something in your life that you don't like and you want it to be gone, and yet it's there... It's there because God is good. Or if there's something that's not in your life and you wish that was there, it's there, it's not there because God is good. The promise of, eight, of Romans 8.28 is true no matter what you're going through. That God is doing what? Was working out all things for good to those who love Him or call according to His purpose. 
And verse 29 describes what that good is, that we might be conformed to the image of his son. We often think of good as our own definition of good, right? Something that we want, something that we desire. And yet, ultimate good in our lives is being transformed, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's evidence of his goodness. Remember what he said, what God said concerning his own creation. In Genesis 1.31, he looked, and it was all very good. Psalm 109, Psalm 109, verse 21 says, You, O God, the Lord, deal with me for your name's sake, because your mercy is good. He deals us, deals us with his name's sake because his mercy is good. And because God is good, afflictions have a good purpose. In verse 71 again, he says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. It is because he is good that afflictions have a good purpose. It is because afflictions come from the hand of God that they have a purpose. Now, people want to exonerate God from the bad stuff that happens in our lives, right? They don't want it to be from God and so on. And yet, think about it. Whatever is bad, whatever is evil, whatever is bad in your life, if it doesn't come from the hand of God, it has no purpose. Your suffering means absolutely nothing if it's random, if it is not from God. But if it's from God, then you accomplish something. And that something is good in your life. So the most comforting thing that we have in the Bible is a sovereign God who is in control of absolutely all things and is in control of our suffering and brings suffering to our lives to accomplish great good for us. We learn through afflictions. The school of affliction is undesirable but good. We learn through afflictions. Monday or Tuesday this week, Kaylee Huey Allen found out that she miscarried. She lost her baby. And then she sent a text out to the family, and she shared that with me, and I asked permission to share what she wrote with you and what she learned through the affliction of losing a child. She said, I never met. So she wrote this as if she's speaking to the baby. And I didn't know that it was a baby girl that she... She, she just imagined that. Okay, all right. Um, she says this, me speaking to the baby. I never imagined saying goodbye to someone I never met could be this hard. It was such a joy carrying you in my womb for the short time God allowed me to. You were prayed for, loved, and cherished. Your tiny life has already made such an impact on mine, and I am grateful to be your mom. While I'm no longer carrying you in my womb, I'm resting in the fact that you are a covenant child and being carried in our Savior's arms. No better place to be. All I can say is you were created for heaven. To my precious Leilani, our family's heavenly flower, you will always be loved and remembered, and I can't wait to meet you in glory one day. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Suffering, honest, heart-wrenching, heart-rending suffering, the loss of a child. And yet, through that, the Lord in His grace ministered to Kaylee to bring her closer to Him instead of her distancing Himself from Him. And through the suffering, she experienced the loving arms of her Savior around her and the assurance 
that God is a God to her and to her children. The school of affliction is not a school we want to go to, but it's good because it comes from the hand, the enrollment in the school comes from the hand of a God who is good. And the primary lesson that we learn in the school of affliction is that God is our portion, as we saw this morning. Affliction teaches us to follow the Lord. Affliction teaches us to grip tightly to the Lord. Is that, isn't that what Kaylee did in this text, even though it's directed to her baby? She was gripping tightly to the Lord and to the promises He's made to her in the Scriptures. Affliction brings us back from wandering away from the Lord. In verse 67, again, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before suffering came into my life, I went astray. Before things were really bad in my life, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Now he keeps the word of the Lord because of affliction. Our God deals with us well in affliction. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us alone. He deals with us well in affliction. You know why? Because in, for a brief moment, he abandoned his son so that you did not have to, have to be abandoned, so that I did not have to be abandoned. That moment where Jesus Christ screamed from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, Christ bought God's goodness upon us for all eternity, so that there's not a moment in which God turns away from us. He deals well with us in affliction. In verse 65, the psalmist says, You have dealt well with your servant. Remember that Psalm 119 was born out of the suffering of the psalmist. This was written because this guy was suffering. This person is suffering. He's going through a through great trouble in his life. It's every single stanza we've seen so far, there's a reference to suffering. Yet he says, you have dealt well with your servant. You've dealt in the past and you continue to deal well with your servant. God acts towards us according to his promises. The psalmist says again in verse 65, O Lord, according to your word, you've dealt well with me according to your word. The psalmist wants to learn from the Lord because he knows What the Lord teaches him is good. In 66, he says, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. He knows that everything that's good, everything that's noble, everything that's good report, everything that's just comes from God and from the word of the Lord. And notice that the psalmist believes in what God says in verse 66, for I believe your commandments. He believes that the words that are in the Bible are directly from God, worthy to be listened to, and they speak of the goodness of God even in trials. And brothers and sisters, affliction may come from those who are around us because of our faith in Christ. Affliction may come from our family because of our faith in Christ, from our, fam- from our friends, our co-workers, everywhere we go. And he says that much in verse 69, the proud have forged a lie against me. Why? Well, the contrast is there, because I keep your precepts. In verse 70, their heart is as grease as fat, in, in, implied in their wickedness, but I delight in your law. Even then, even in affliction, we are able to obey God with a full 
heart. Remember Job. We went through the book of Job, not, not too distant to pass here on, the Wednesday night, on Wednesday nights. Job lost everything. Family, first possessions, then family. The only thing left for him was a wife that was encouraged him to deny God. And yet he said, blessed, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He had a heart that was full. There was turmoil there. There was uh, suffering, but it's still full of faith. And even then, even in affliction, we are able to obey God with a full heart. In verse 69, the second half, he says, But I will keep your precepts with my whole heart, even through afflictions. The psalmist is able to go and learn through afflictions because he values the word of God more than anything else in life. He says in verse 72, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold. And silver. And the word coins of is added, it's just thousands of gold and silver, the multitude of earthly possessions. Why is the word of God so valuable? Because in the word of God we found out we find out about the God of the Word, the God who is good, the God who brings afflictions to our lives in order to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. So whether we like school or not, we're going to school. At some point in our lives, or for some of us, for the most, most of, of our lives, we're going to suffer. And that suffering will point us to Jesus Christ, who suffered for us, that we might have fellowship with God. Paul talks about the suffering of this life as light and momentary affliction in view of eternity. And that's all it is, is a light and momentary affliction in view of eternity with the Lord Jesus May God give us the grace to be the kind of people who are able to suffer well, knowing that afflictions come from the hand of God, who is good and does good. Let us pray together. Father, thank you that you're good to us. We thank you that you do good. We pray to help us to be convinced of that as your spirit works in us. For asking in Jesus' name, amen.